You're listening to the Party Girl Podcast with Chelsea Curtis, episode 23. Okay, so I'm coming at you again from inside my car because today we are doing that mom life and it's almost summer for us. Actually, where we live in Utah, everybody had their last day of school yesterday and we still have one more week. <laughs> so you better believe I'm the meanest mom ever. Even though it's technically completely out of my control. Hashtag private school problems. Anyway, <laughs> I'm over here outside of swim team. And I'm just kind of thinking about how sometimes as parents we project onto our kids. And what is our job as parents? Like ultimately at the end of the day, if you had to answer that right now, if you took out a piece of paper and a pencil and you wrote down like, if I could be the best parent ever, it would be to blank. I kind of wish this was a little bit more interactive, like you could chat live with me. Because when I did this exercise for the very first time, things like, you know, make sure my child was a contributing citizen and like didn't have any violent crimes on their records or, you know, like turned out to be a healthy, emotionally stable person. Like that's my job as a parent, right? And as admirable... Um, as our intentions are, the truth is, as a jo- our jobs as parents, we only have two. It's to love our kids unconditionally, no matter what. And the second one is to love our kids unconditionally, even if. So even if, and no matter what, even if they choose things that we wouldn't want them to choose, even if they make bad choices, even if they go to prison, you know, no matter what, like, no matter what, you have to work on that unconditional love. And that is the job as a parent. And I think some children are the type of personality where they're just eager to please and they want to do everything right by mom and dad. And they want to do their best. And they're like, hard to punish because when they get in trouble, they're so hard on themselves. Where other children are you know, very confident and know everything and have all the decisions made and even molding them and helping to give them advice that's structured or some other opinions is tough because they don't want to hear it. They're not interested. And so I love how easy that is that your only job as a parent is to love your kids no matter what and even if. But I also feel like, oh man, that control freak side of me, I don't know. I don't know if I... um can internalize that because I felt like my upbringing and my background, like there were so many conditions and growing up in a very religious family, um, that practiced Christianity as members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I personally did not feel like I had as much agency as I wanted. So I, although I understood the concepts, um, I just felt like I couldn't make choices for myself. I had to ask permission and had to adhere to these very, very strict rules. And it became, you know, one of those things that like, I just couldn't wait to leave. And so I think about that, like the two extremes, the one extreme of being too lackadaisical and letting your kids run amok and, you know, and being there from afar or being a helicopter parent that's very involved and, no matter how old your child gets, wanting to control every aspect because you have more experience as a parent 
and you know better as the parent. So, I mean, it's tough because as I've, as I've been raising kids, I think the hardest part for me about being a mom is that I want more control than I really have. And I want more credit than I really have and less credit. I mean, when you have a kid that's a little bit defiant or naughty, it's so easy to look inward and say, oh my gosh, I'm a bad mom. Like clearly this is a reflection of me instead of recognizing, oh, that little person has their own personality and their own free will and they're going to make the choices they're going to make. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times my kid has bit the babysitter or like kicked or punched other children or said things that were not appropriate to say to adults, like talking back and talking down to other kids. It's just kind of embarrassing to be honest. And I'm trying to take those in stride and, and every opportunity I have to be more patient as a parent, I think is probably what I'm trying to get out of my parenting experience is lots of patience and really the opportunity to love someone unconditionally. And if you were like me and you were raised in a home where you felt like the love was conditional based on if you went to church, based on if you, you know, dressed the right way, based on if you had the best grades, based on if you were completely obedient and did everything that you were asked the very first time you were asked, right? I mean, in theory, it sounds like a dream child. And looking back, I'm like, man, I must have been a little punk. (laughs) But I think some of it was that I wanted freedom. I wanted to be able to make my own choices. And now that I'm parenting a child that's very similar, my goodness, it's so hard. I'm like, why can't you just listen to every single word I'm telling you, internalize it, and then realize how genius and brilliant I am as a mother with more experience than you. And uh, we can just be on our happy, merry way. But unfortunately, uh, I think there's a funny quote where, what, what is, how does it go? You either married your biggest challenge in this life or gave birth to it. And mine is the latter. Like, I know that my parenting experience is to teach me unconditional love and patience, which is a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson when you care about outcomes. And so I think part of the other piece I need to work on is lowering my expectations in a way that is unconditional love. I'm happy that you're here, not performance-based and not merit-based, just, you know, based on the fact that they are here, like you are loved just because. So I want to hear like other people's experiences about parenting. And if you feel like as a parent, you have that kind of control over your kids or those of you that have had multiple kids, if you feel like, nope, they all have their own different personality. And as much as you can consistently parent, like they're all going to turn out their own way. And you really don't have a lot, if any, control ultimately on who they become and what they choose. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little scared. It's kind of terrifying to have, um, that strong will of, will of a child and to know that, you know, they're going to be a teenager and then they're going to be an adult. You're like, Oh no, how do we get this figured out before it gets too out of hand? And maybe I'm being a little bit dramatic, but yes, motherhood, the struggle for me is just the amount of pressure that I feel to mold another human being, another individual. So I'm trying to take it one day at a time and trying to recognize that if I come at the relationship from a place of patience and love 
and asking for forgiveness when I lose my cool and, and I'm not perfect at it. Like, believe me, I, one thing I'm actually ashamed of is that I yell a lot. Like I lose my temper a lot. I'm trying really hard to work on that and to just take deep breaths and to realize like this isn't a big thing, but there's just certain circumstances, certain times where I just have a hard time. Like when we are running late, I hate running late. Oh, oh, I hate being late. Like five minutes early is on time. Like if you're walking in right at the time you're supposed to be there to me, you are late. And I think that's a lot. Uh, a lot of that comes from my entrepreneurial background of like, if you clock in one minute past, you know, the time you're supposed to be there, technically you're late. And I just, I never, ever want to be that person. So I like to give myself a buffer. So when you're counting on other people, so that the whole group, all of us can get out the door at the right time and go where we need to. And you're counting on people. It's tough. It's hard to be patient. And so, you know, working on just remembering that in the end, like me, and it's so funny because I think I mentioned this in an episode before where like if something goes terribly wrong and it's no one like it's not my child or another person to blame like your car gets a flat tire or your car is missing or something like that like I have to tell you this story now because that sounds like a random example your car is missing so we went to my girlfriends and I went to these awards called the Sago Awards that honor women in business it was up in Park City Utah if you're not familiar with where Park City is it's actually where they have the Sundance Film Festival. You maybe heard of that. And um, so it's up there. We were at this beautiful resort and we were enjoying this dinner and this award ceremony. And we got back down to the parking lot and my car was parked in the front row. It was very distinct because, um, you know, it's a busy resort. We happen to get front row parking. So we get there. It's about 1130 at night and I'm looking across the parking lot and I, I notice my car's not there. So my friend who I drove with was freaking out. She just was like, oh my gosh, like we need to call the cops. Like your car was right here. I'm like, okay, I know it was right here. Well, and it feels like in that moment, you just feel like, okay, my head just went blank. Like did someone literally just steal my car? What is going on? Where did it go? Like how did, how did this happen? What did I miss? Like, is there, you know, did I leave it unlocked? Like did they, did they jump the car? Like all of these thoughts going through your head and then, you know, Oh, little buddy. And then even the thought of like, oh no, like now I have to call AAA or the police or like, you know, my husband is actually pretty chill about stuff like that. So I wasn't worried about him. Like I'm not ever worried that he's going to be mad. But my friend was just like having this panic attack. Like, oh my gosh, like we're all the way up here in the mountains and in Park City. And, uh. Well, okay. So maybe a minute went by, maybe like 30 seconds. And my friend who invited us said, girls, you know that there's another parking lot like just on the other side of this building. And so we walk over and right there in the front row is my car. And the whole time, like I didn't, you know, lose my cool. I wasn't mad. I wasn't hyperventilating, like nothing. I just was calm. So I know that in high stress situations um, that the best thing to do is just remain calm and try to figure out solutions because I can't do anything about it now. Like if that was the truth and my car had really been stolen, there's nothing I could do about it right in that moment. But for some reason with my child, it's like, I'm trying to get out the door. I just need you to put two shoes on your feet. I'm going to get the baby ready. When I come back, please let these two shoes be on your feet. So I'll go. I'm like, get the baby out of his crib. Okay. We change your diaper. Okay. We put on new clothes. You know, it's like eight minutes has elapsed. 
And then I come back and you're still fiddling with your shoes. I'm like, seriously? Like, why is this so hard? You're six years old. Like, this isn't like I'm asking a two-year-old. And I take it so personal instead of realizing that, again, this little girl, she has her own personality with her own timetable. And so I'm hoping to learn how to hone that and to care less about things. Maybe I need to do a little bit more of, you know, having her bring things in the car or do them on, oh, in a way that would be fun and motivating and exciting for her. But she just beats, beats to her own drum. She marches to the beat of her own drum. Oh, anyway. Um, so yeah, if you have parenting tips for me on how to be more patient or how to work with a stubborn child who doesn't do well with choices, like she's the type of child, if you give her choices, okay, you want option A or option B? She'll say, no, option C over here, which isn't a choice. Option C was not on the menu. But she just, you know, she kind of has that. Yeah, ha, ha, bud. So tell me in the comments, like, if you've struggled with a child, an interesting, hard, tough personality, like, how did you deal with that? Is it just a a message and an encouragement of, like, welcome to motherhood? You get to learn how to be more patient. And maybe that's the lesson that I'm here to learn. (laughs) But... I also, uh, yeah, I'm like, I hope that on this very busy Friday that you guys are (laughs) killing it in your endeavors. And I know a lot of you listening are just like me, you're working moms. And so I hope that together we can just recognize that the struggle is real. And whether you have awesome kids who are super obedient or children who are more of a challenge and an opportunity for you to practice patience, that you recognize that it's okay, that you're doing your best. And I think if we can forgive ourselves and try to be more kind and patient with our children and help each other out when we have things that we know work, you know, we're going to make it and we're going to be okay. And at the end of the day, if our kids know that we love them unconditionally, I think that's all we can ask for is just to, at the end of the day, say, I, you know, I maybe wasn't the best parent for you, but I loved you no matter what. And even if, Thanks so much for joining me today and I will catch you in the next episode. You're listening to the Party Girl Podcast with Chelsea Curtis, episode 29. So yesterday I had the amazing opportunity to do something I've never done before, but it's been on my list and it's actually one of the things I want to do more of. And that is speaking and presenting publicly, not behind my camera, not behind a microphone, but in person in front of a live audience. Now, I do Facebook Lives every week, and I feel like it really helped prepare me to be a little bit more candid, but it was really tough. Like, I, oh man, you guys, I... I don't even know where to start with this. So I have been working with my 28 day challenge group and I'm helping to teach them how to mold craft and tell better stories. Well, as I've been doing this, I'm actually helping to implement some of the things I'm learning in a course I'm taking right now. And so this course that I'm taking, it focuses very heavily on storytelling and the power of connecting with your audience through story by sharing experiences instead of just telling them facts. Now, it seems super counterintuitive 
just because when you're teaching somebody how to do something, wouldn't you think it should be factually based or at least have a lot of action items for them to implement or lists of things to do or places to go? So I decided to give it a try. Um, I guess that's kind of a bad... I, I didn't mean for it to sound like I was testing it out on this audience, but in a way I kind of was. I I was feeling like maybe um, I'll try this out and I can gauge people's reactions because normally I'm behind a screen and I can't see how people are accepting or receiving what I'm sharing. And so if they don't tell me or if they don't, you know, comment, I won't know. But in this setting, I'll actually be able to see how am I interacting with the guests and these in-person attendees goes. And so that's what I did is I decided to focus 90% on storytelling, relevant storytelling that helped me prove the point I was trying to make and connect with the audience. And the whole time I was having major tech issues because um, my husband's been out of town. It's the last week of school. And so I had my keynote presentation done, which is the Mac version of PowerPoint. And I had it. It was beautiful. All the transitions were there. I had it rehearsed. And then I, you know, went to upload it to my um, iPad. And it was about 30 minutes before the babysitter was coming. And I was like, this is perfect. I need to get my makeup on. So I uploaded it to my iPad. I headed over to the bathroom, finished getting ready. The babysitter got there and I grabbed my iPad and left. Well, as I was in the car, I mean, I checked to make sure that the presentation was there. But when I got in the car and like, at the venue where I was supposed to present rookie mistake. I realized that some of the fonts were different and that my updated computer version of keynote was not updated on my iPad. And so my presentation was kind of a disaster. Well, luckily I had sent it to myself on my phone as slides, like a slideshow with no transitions, just like a a photo slideshow because I wanted to practice during the day. So I was able to use that, but because of the transition, some of the slides from the slideshow were out of order and oh my gosh, it was such a hot mess. But I thought it was so interesting because when I was done, um, it was, and I, I, I could tell, like after doing it live, I could tell where in this lesson that I've been taking this e-course where they're saying with storytelling, you, the more you do it, the more you'll feel out like where you should have done this or that. And like, you can change it and tweak it, but never having done this method of teaching before I, I didn't know, but even in the moment I was like, Oh, I know now I know after doing it, doing it live for people, like where this is flowing and where this is like, has a little bit of gaps in my thought process anyway. So then I finished and this um, gentleman presented after me and he shared the coolest software about how you can track all of your analytics and your income streams and everything in one dashboard. And so he presented his, um, new software product, but he didn't share any stories or any like examples of where it's been helpful or beneficial. And it was so boring. Like I, I kind of felt bad because I was like, Oh my gosh, for the first time I'm realizing that I'm like consciously aware that I'm checking out. I don't know if other people, um, felt like this and I'm not meaning this to sound as anything besides just like, Oh, that that's an interesting observation. But I noticed that people, when he asked questions, nobody had a question. And the one gentleman in the audience who did have a question, he like avoided the whole question. It was so weird. Um, the gentleman's question was like, Oh yeah, this tracks like data in real time. That's super cool. But can I have like a a history report to see where it was like 
by the quarter or, you know, the last month or year by year. And the, the guy on stage presenting, like, acted like he didn't understand. I, and, and the guy, the question asker asked it like three different times. Like, I'm wondering if your software will allow me to see, you know, not just my current state, my current numbers, but will it track them so that I can pull up a report and see what it was the same time last year, which I think is a really valid point, especially if you're paying $19 a month for this membership. Um, and instead of the guy being candid and saying like, Oh, you know what? That's a great idea. We haven't thought of that yet. Or that's other people have meant, I probably would have just BS it and been like, totally that feature's not ready yet, but yes, we are working on something like that. And then ran back to my notepad and been like, make sure to have this on the app. But, um, he just was like, Oh, I'm not sure. Like maybe we can talk after, like, I'm not clear on what you're asking. And then, like I said, he presented his product. It was super cool, but just not, um, not easy to connect with because there weren't any stories. And I was just like, okay, well, that was a good experience. Like I know what I need to do better. And as I was leaving, I grabbed my handbag and a few people pulled me aside and they were like, thank you so much. Like that was so helpful. And honestly, you guys, I was like, that really wasn't even that helpful. I just kind of shared a few stories. Like it wasn't a pile of like tactical advice. Like I was expecting to share. It wasn't like this list of, okay, make sure you do this step, then this step, then this step. It was honestly just like my story and where I have been in my own journey. And I am so excited for the next few weeks of my 28 day challenge because I'm going to teach my students how to do what I did. And I love that this time, the timing could not be more perfect because when you are learning things and teaching them, it's the, the truth is so it's, have you ever heard that if you want to be, um, smarter at something, if you want to be more proficient at something, then teach it to someone else. That could not be more true because being able to implement in real time what I'm doing and then report back to this group and to say, oh my gosh, you guys, like, this is what I figured out and it's so amazing, has been a really fun way to not only, like, test things out for myself, but to share them with the group and have, hopefully, help them have these aha moments and go a lot quicker to the end result that they're wanting. But I just had to tell you, like, when I present, I'm actually okay live. But afterwards, when I got back to my seat, I was, like, sweaty and shaky and just, like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That was so crazy. That was so crazy. And then I kind of just felt like the whole time I wanted a redo. I was, like, oh, now, see, now that I can have the experience of implementing it, I can't wait to do it again. So I'm hoping that I get approved for some of these conferences I'm wanting to speak at, like Alt Summit and Pinner's Conference coming up here, um, so that I can have the opportunity to do it again, because I am like so blown away by the, the, the connection that these, that these people had to me. And an even more interesting thing is one of the attendees, like she actually had a digital course and I was, my topic was like, course creation 101 how to create a digital course and why you should be creating one and when I talked to her in the hall before the presentation started I said oh yeah I'm talking about like how to start a course she's like oh I already have one so she kind of blew me off and and I understood why like you already have your course like done what you know what could I possibly say about like how you should create a course or why you should create a course but afterwards she came up to me and she made it a point to say thank you so much for sharing like I really have a lot of things like that I took away from that and I just I want to talk to you can we connect after and I was so flattered because like I said like if somebody already has completed something they really don't need what you what information you have or what you have to tell them and so the fact that she wanted to connect afterwards 
I was like, okay, maybe it wasn't that big of a bomb after all. And I'm making it sound probably worse than it was. Like it, it was, um, it was great. Like I, I'm really happy with it. There's just a few things I would want to tweak to do better for the next time. <gasps> Good morning, Sterling. Sorry. We're just here. Um, we just dropped off Jade for school and driving home and pulled back in. And I just wanted to record that while it was on my mind because, um, yeah, I just, it's, it's so raw and fresh in my mind. And I just wanted to share that. So as you're thinking about your story, as you're thinking about what you have to contribute, you know, telling your story, telling your ideas in a story format with yourself as the example or somebody else as the example, it is an amazing connector. So get the juices flowing and start thinking of your story. Thank you for being here. Sterling, thanks you for being here. And we'll catch you in the next episode.